Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Abby. So a question to get us started tonight. What do Jesus, babies, NFL legend Gail Sayers, and North Korean dictator Kim, Kim Jong-un have in common? And I will attempt to tell you what they have in common in the next 15 minutes. Abby just read the eight Beatitudes, and these are um, sayings that Jesus gives at the introduction of his sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And tonight we're going to zoom in on the third Beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So here we go. We're going to talk about meekness. First, we're going to talk about what it is not. And then we're going to talk about what it is and then the reward. So first, what meekness is not. I want you to picture a large, long scale in your mind. And at one far end, there is somebody who is weak, passive, quietly submissive, wishy-washy, pliable, spiritless, even spineless. And you might think, well, that's a meek person. And, and actually, that is the understood definition of meekness today. And that's one of the challenges we face because that is not biblical meekness. I came across a group who call themselves the doormats. And their motto is, the meek shall inherit the earth as long as that's okay with everybody. And their symbol is a yellow traffic light. Uh, and for them to be meek is, is to be a doormat somebody who lets others walk over them, take advantage of them, and then when that happens, you don't complain. So that's at the one end of the scale, um, the doormat person, and that is not biblical meekness. And, and now let's go to the other end of the scale. And here we see somebody like Frederick Nietzsche, who wrote, he actually took this beatitude and he rewrote it. You can go to the next slide, Bill. And he said, assert yourself, it is the arrogant who take over the earth. And on this end of the scale, we have those who, they grab the spotlight for themselves. They're aggressive. They're dangerously independent and assertive. And maybe they use anger or deception and even other people to get what they want. And sometimes these people, they end up in political office. Um, they end up in influential positions of business and in influential positions even in the church. And of course, that is not meekness either. Um, and then when you pull back from both of these extremes and you come more toward the middle, toward the center, uh, there's a whole industry of learning how to display power for your advantage, right? There's, there are power suits, power ties, power poses. I saw there's even a TED Talk. That's actually an image from a TED Talk to help you strike the right pose of confidence and power when you're taking that job interview, um, and while these sorts of practical things, they can be helpful for job interviews and meeting with clients, like we know that's not the biblical definition of meekness either. Okay. So then what is 
meekness. And Bill, you can go to the next slide. Meekness, simply put, is strength under control. Okay, just hear that. It, it, meekness is strength under control. And in that classic page-turning, hard-to-put-down novel, The Peloponnesian War by Thucydides, a young soldier, you could, you could, you know, give me the thumbs up if you read this. There's a young soldier, he, he writes a letter to his fiancee, and he says that when the war is over, he will return to her with the gift of a white stallion. That's why you have the picture of the white stallion there. And he says of this white stallion, he is the most magnificent stallion I have ever seen, but he responds obediently to the slightest command. He allows his master to direct him to his full potential. He is a meek, same word, he is a meek horse. And that's the picture of true meekness. It's strength, like that of a horse, but it's strength that is under control. Strength that responds to somebody else's command, somebody else's leading. And so when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, he is not calling us to be wishy-washy, passive people. He is certainly not calling us to use our power to dominate others. Jesus says, when you follow me, you will exhibit meekness, which is strength under control, strength under my control, strength that responds to his good and wise leadership over our lives. So we stop here and we ask, so where are you on Jesus' scale of meekness? You know, is your strength, you know, your many gifts, your opportunities, your relationships, are those things under his control? Or are they increasingly coming under his control? And to get practical, I want to help us answer that kind of question, that higher level question, by bringing it down into two litmus tests for our lives. Okay, so litmus test number one, are you teachable? Like, how aware are you that you still have a lot to learn? And now I know probably the first place your mind is going, I know midterms aren't far away. And then when you think about that stuff, you're, you are quick to admit, you know, I got myself a lot of learning to do in these next couple of weeks, All right, I get it. That's right, that's right, David. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, are you teachable with the stuff of life? And here, there's the image of babies, right? You can look at that. You know, when you see these babies, I, I'm exhorting you to see yourself to see yourself when it comes to your spiritual age. You know, we, all of us, we are these babies, minus the cuteness. <laughs> and here's what I mean. We are babies when it comes to knowing God and trusting him. We are toddlers when it comes to loving our neighbors well. We're, we're little boys and girls, every single one of us, when it comes to thinking and speaking and acting wisely living the way God has created us to live. And see, the person who knows and genuinely believes deep down, I have got a long way to go, and I need someone, a good, trustworthy leader, to help me get there. That person is a meek person. 
James 1.21, it's right there. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. It's that teachability. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And you know this. What kind of person is the most challenging to get along with in life or one of them? It's the friend. It's the sibling. It's the coworker who always insists that they are right and that you are the one who has to learn or you're the one who has to change. It's the person with a low meekness tank. And, you know, and as we think about this teachability and our calling as we follow Jesus to be meek, I'm looking ahead in the calendar. I see it. I see November coming and it's the election. And as it comes, I realize we will have ample opportunity to exercise meekness. This is a time to genuinely listen to others, not a time to assert that you know what the best policies are for this country. A meek person will listen to and will learn from the unemployed who are scared about not having food for their kids. A meek person will listen to and learn from minorities who and the different challenges they have faced and continue to face in this country because of their race. A meek person will listen to and learn from people who have different political convictions and recognize I have something to learn from them. Yes, there's a time for disagreement and a time even for anger and protest and voicing it in constructive and thoughtful ways, but there is also a time for meekness, a time for listening and learning. And a meek person will put hearing others over above being heard. Teachability is a sign of meekness. And here's a second litmus test. Are you a me third person? And here's Gail Sayers. He was a Hall of Fame running back for the Chicago Bears back in the 1960s. And he came to my attention because he just passed away this week. Um, But his life motto was God first, others second, and me third. And he lived that out as a man of faith. And that captures meekness as well. It's the ability to lay aside self-promotion, advancing self, and instead seek God's glory and the good of others. Those are the two greatest commands, love God, love others. Because Jesus assumes we'll love ourselves and it takes intentionality to put the self third. And again, it's strength under control, directing our personal strength toward the welfare of others with Jesus and the Spirit's help and it's deliberate selflessness. And again, I I, want to get even smaller than we've gotten so far. Here's a tiny example of what this litmus test might look for you in the the next week. Your mom, most of you are at home, and I I sympathize. You're living life in two spheres. You're living life virtually in Princeton and in, in person, most of you at home. So little example, but important. Your mom wants to have a 15 minute conversation with you. And there's nothing urgent. It's just a hangout, kind of connect for a few minutes type of thing. But you're busy. You're tired. You you want to study. You want to finish that problem set. You want to take a nap. You want to watch a show and de-stress in your room. 
And if you're at school, you could do whatever you want and you could do it when you want because you'd be alone in your room. And now here's the thing. I know most of you would take a bullet for your mother, right? You would just would, you would do that. And you should because she's your mom. Or you would drop out of school if your parents needed you to work and to support the family. If they had that hardship, you would do it. But can we do the me third actions on the small little stuff of life? Like, like a 15 minute conversation, even when it's not convenient for us. The meek person is quick to be a me third person in the big things and in the small things. Yes, you've got to study. Yes, you have to rest. God calls you to those things, but God also calls us to lay aside what we want at times for the good of others. Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. In meekness, do that, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So you can see meekness is an attitude you know, I have much to learn. It's that attitude of teachability. And meekness, it, it can't just be an attitude. It is also an action. You know, me third, so I will lay aside what I want, and I will do it for the good of another, and I will serve them. Which brings us, finally, to then the reward. Jesus promises the meek who follow him will inherit the earth. You think about all the things that people might anticipate as an inheritance. Maybe it's a family heirloom, like, like a special necklace or ring that has a lot of sentimental value or large sums of money or a vacation home. Or maybe, and here's where we're working Kim Jong-un, maybe even inheriting an entire nation state like North Korea like he inherited from his father, right? So there we go. We've connected all the dots that we started with at the beginning. But here's Jesus' point. Money, possessions, even large nation states, they will all disappear someday. Every single one of them. Everything is temporary. Implied in Jesus' promise is that the earth belongs to him and he will remake it. And he is coming back to claim it. And so he is the one who gets to decide what to do with it. And Jesus, in a staggering promise, he turns to the meek, the meek who follow him. And he says, here, this earth that I have redeemed and I am remaking, this is your inheritance. The world might not reward the meek person with its many temporal gifts, but Jesus rewards the meek person with his eternal gifts and with his glory. And you hear that and it ought to make us think, what am I living for? What are the rewards that I'm hoping for? What is the time horizon that my eyes are fixed on right now? But here tonight, we do not follow a stingy savior. We follow one who is incredibly generous. And here is why Jesus can make such a ridiculous promise. And I mean ridiculous in the best possible sense. It's because he was meek 
it's his meekness that put him in this position to offer us such an amazing reward. And you think about it, it's in Jesus' meekness that he was teachable, Luke 2.52, and Jesus grew in wisdom. This is talking about his childhood. Hebrews 5.8, and Jesus was a son, the eternal son of God, and he learned obedience through what he suffered while on earth. So the eternal son of God exhibited meekness as he grew in wisdom and as he grew in obedience. He was teachable in that sense. And in his meekness, Jesus also said, me third. Matthew 26, Jesus prayed right before the cross in the garden. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Doing his father's will first. And Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And I think that joy that was set before him was doing his father's will, putting God first. And second, that joy that was set before him was you, was me, was us. Knowing that by going to the cross, he was making a way back to God for us, restoring us back into the presence of his father. He said, me third. So you hear that Jesus doesn't demand that we do things that he never did. He, when he says, he calls us to be meek, he was a meek savior. He calls us to walk in his footsteps to the same kind of meekness that he displayed. And he promises us the earth because it is his to give. He is the rightful king, the rightful ruler who walked in the way of meekness from his birth to his life, to his death, and to his resurrection. May God give us strength to live out. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek, and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Lord Jesus, we come to you because we want to learn from you. Help us be teachable and trust you. Lord, there are a lot of us here tonight where we need rest. We are crying out for rest. Yes, we need rest from academic weariness, from weariness in our work. But we need more than that. We need deep rest that only you can provide. And we praise you that you are meek and humble in heart and you provide that rest. And we can come to you in humility and with confidence and we can trust in your grace and your goodness. And as we do, we pray that you would make us more like you, people who are meek and quick to say, me third, quick to lay down our lives for those that you have placed around us. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to our prayers here tonight. And we thank you for your great promises. And we pray all this in your name. Amen.